I really get a sense that God is wanting to prepare our hearts this morning for what he wants to say. Sometimes when God brings a word, the worst thing that can happen is a person's not ready for it. And that's what we're going to read about this morning, about two kinds of people in God's word. One is called Zechariah. And the other one is called Mary. And so I sense what God is doing this morning is he's wanting to make sure that our hearts are ready for when he shares what he wants to do. Because both have to be in sync in order for the blessing to come. And so, SBC, I believe God is doing a new work in us this year. Last year was a year of preparation and of positioning. But the Lord has spoken to us as an eldership. And we'll unpack the detail of that at the summit this Saturday. But... At our June AGM, God said something to us as a church. He said, Sterling, SBC, I am pleased with what is happening here. But I'm asking you to have faith for expansion. And we sense as an eldership this year, God is wanting to stretch out our mansions as a church. He's wanting to stretch us into new areas of life, of new areas of ministry, of new areas of the Spirit. And so when a word like that comes... When there's a new work, as we're going to see in this text, something new is about to happen. There was a guy called John the Baptist who was about to come and prepare the way. And there was going to be a, a son of God called Jesus Christ who was going to be born. Something new was going to happen. But God had to get things ready in the hearts of those through whom it was going to come. And that's what's behind this morning's message. And you're going to see something fascinating this morning. Two characters, the same messenger, Gabriel with a similar message, but with two totally different responses. And so let's read from Luke chapter 1, verse 5. I put it up here on the board. Wow, that was much bigger on my screen. <laughs> Sorry to you guys at the back. And let's read together from the English Standard Version. In the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abijah. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. That's very important. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. Isn't that a natural response? And fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. Amazing. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? 
for I am an old man, and my wife is advancing years. Isn't he clever? He knows never to call his wife old. Can I just, that's the best advice Zechariah can give us this morning. And the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to, to speak to you and to bring to you this good news. He can't believe it. And behold, he says to Zechariah, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. And we're going to jump a little bit. God fulfills his word. Zechariah is struck down. Elizabeth has a baby. And uh, we pick up to the next person in the story uh, in verse 26. In the sixth month, of the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Wow, I want one of those. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Very good question. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, this is the most profound response for me. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And we pick up one more verse, verse 45. This is Elizabeth when she sees Mary. She's filled with the Spirit. And looks at Mary and says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. I want to quickly unpack these two characters for you this morning. And then draw some very simple but profound points for you as you think about 2019 and your walk with the Lord. The first character is Zachariah. And he's married to this lady called Elizabeth. And she is not a young bocky. She is getting old. But the thing about both of them, and it's important, they both love Jesus. Or both love the Lord. Jesus hasn't come yet. They both love God. They were righteous. And this guy, Zechariah, he was part of a, a division called the priesthood. And it was a very special division in the house of Israel. It was part of the, the, the tribe of Levi. And these priests had one function. They were to serve in the, in the temple of God. And now, when I say that, you need to understand for the Jews, that was the greatest position in the whole nation. Because within the temple, there was one thing. It was called the presence of God. And the reason why these priests were like, oh, there's the priest, was because these guys got to get as close as possible to where the rest of the nation couldn't, into the, the, the very presence, the seat of God's presence, the temple of God. And what's happening here is they had a duty roster. Where are my deacons? Can I call my two deacons to come up front here? Come on, you guys. Here's our deacons. They have a duty roster. <laughs> and they have to serve on certain Sundays, right? And so 
Which week? Do you, do you work on a, a quarterly cycle? How does it work? Um, sort of a monthly cycle. Monthly cycle. You're on once a month? Yeah. Okay, so these guys are on this Sunday to serve. It's, let's say, representing a month. You, you're doing well. Just stand. You don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to do anything bad. Now, although this division's on, and this, let's say this is Zachariah's division, not everybody gets to go into the temple. No, no. What happens is God has to choose who gets to come into his presence. And so what they have to do is they take little sticks. Just pretend I've got a stick here. There we go. Stick here. And you have to choose from my hand. And open your hand. Let's see. Open here. And what would happen is the one who got the lot gets to go into God's presence. Now, if that was me, I'd be like, yes! And then remembering that I'm entering into this temple. Thank you. You did so well, guys. Go take a seat. Getting into this, this temple was a high, high, high moment. And the special thing about it was, it was when the whole of Israel was in Jerusalem. There's everybody, thousands of people in the temple courts. And they are praying for Zechariah to go into this temple holy place. He didn't go right into the Holy of Holies. There was the high priest once a year. But he could get as close to the Holy of Holies as anybody else could possibly. And there he stands. He's in the presence of God. And he's praying and he's offering up incense. The presence of God is like a meter away. Now you would think this would be a good time for something spectacular to happen, right? You would think if there ever was a moment in your lifetime that God might just speak as if you were a meter away. And suddenly the angel Gabriel arrives and he goes, Zachariah, your prayer has been answered. And the very first thing I bet Zachariah thought was, which prayer was that again? I've been praying a very long time. I'm old. Which one are you talking about? And Gabriel says, oh, you're going to have a son. And man, that would have been enough for me. Not so. I'll be vulnerable with you this morning. Our first daughter, Sarah, was not an easy conception for us. Some have walked much harder than we did, but God had to intervene in prayer for our daughter. That's why her name's Sarah. And what happens is, you, you know, we each have a prayer that we, we, if God could ask us which one to answer, it would be that, not so. I guarantee you, if you have prayed for some time in your life, there's one that's just close to your heart. And this is the moment that Gabriel comes to, to Zachariah and says, that's that one that you could have said, if God, if you could answer anything for me, it would be to give me a son. God's heard and he's saying, yes. But more than that, something spectacular happens here. He says, this isn't going to be any ordinary son. This son is going to be a nation changer. And from the womb, the spirit, it has never happened before. And God can break his own rules. But in the very womb of Elizabeth, this boy is going to be filled, regenerated, born again by the Holy Spirit. And when he comes out, he's primed for ministry. And I was looking at my Bible. It's a great thing you can do. I document dates that are important. And next to the scripture, it was eight days before Elijah was born. And my prayer was, God, would you fill Elijah with the Spirit even in his mommy's womb? I couldn't ask for more as a parent. And this word, you would think, if it was anybody here, and I tell you, there are many who are trusting God for children in our church. If this was a word given to them, I'm telling you, they would weep for joy. I would not say. And what is Zachariah's response? Now, I'm going to be a bit tough on some of the older guys here this morning, but just be gracious to me, all right? When you're older, you're so grumpy. And he goes, how is this going to happen? 
And then he goes, um, Gabriel, have you looked at me? I'm not a stallion anymore. I've been put out to pasture. My wife is even worse than I am. That's what he's saying. He's saying, prove it to me. Prove it to me. Prove it to me. You're a bit late, Gabriel. And Gabriel is dumbstruck. (laughs) An angel can be dumbstruck by human unbelief. He goes, I'm not Kippy or Joe. I'm Gabriel. I am somebody in heaven and I've come to you and you said to me, prove it to you. I have come with a message from God. And because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled, I'm going to strike you dumb. Character number two, Mary. Now this is profound. Here is a young lady. She's probably a teenager. Can I just point out to you for a moment that a woman in Israel was just one step up from a servant. And God comes to this lady. She is so young. What does she know about life? What does she know about how God works? What does she know about anything? But she comes and she's in this backwater town called Nazareth. Let me tell you, it was not Cape Town. It was not Constantia. She did not come from the Cape. She came from slummies. She was like you and me in Nazareth. Nazareth was a place where they said, could anything good come out of that? She's alone. She's about to be married. And God comes to her and says, you're going to have a baby boy. And she, she says, just wait a moment, Gabriel. What do you mean by this? Are you saying that this word is for Joseph, that he has to move the marriage date a bit forward? Are you saying this is later on when we're going to be married and we're going to have a child? No. The angel says he's not going to be a daddy. Oh. And this amazing thing happens. Something that has never happened before in the history of the world. Mary responds to you. She says, All right. I'm open. I'm your servant. Let it be done to me according to to your word. Now, when Elizabeth sees this phenomenal lady who is ordinary in the eyes of the world but has become extraordinary in the purposes of God, Elizabeth says, blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. She didn't say, okay, we'll see what happens. She said, okay, God, it's going to happen. You do it your way. Now, what do we learn from this this morning? Well, the first is the responses are surprising. If there was a betting match going on now and saying, who would you put your bet on? Whose odds were in favor for a faith-like response? Who would you bet on? Come, who gambles here? I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Catch you out at Hemingway's. Who would you bet on? Zechariah, he has a man who'd been around for years. 
Here's a man who knew his Bible because he was keeping all the commands. He was a good person. Here's a man who has thousands of people praying for him. Here's a man who's entered into the presence of God. And here's a man who has an answer to what he has prayed for. The scandal of Zachariah's life is that he had shut down to the possibility of God being able to answer prayer. Everything to Zechariah is so familiar that his walk has faded. But then you look at this little girl. She's a woman. She's a nobody from a nowhere town. She totally unexpected this. And the thing about Mary that grips me every time I read this section is that this word was going to cost her. It was going to cost her. Let me tell you, God can ask you to do something and it can be birthed in scandal. This girl was not yet married and she was going to have a baby bump. What's the obvious explanation for a baby being conceived out of wedlock? Guys, church, this was going to be a scandal for her. And it it was going to cost her her betrothal with Joseph. Don't you remember in the story? It says that Joseph was going to divorce her. But God came through for her, and he he gave him a dream, and Joseph stuck with her. He stuck by her side. But you know, for the rest of her life, in Nazareth, in a small town, like small towns are, people talk about her. When Jesus comes and starts to minister, the Jews say something really nasty to him. They say, we're the sons of Abram. They're implying he's an illegitimate child. For the rest of her life, her obedience to God just for a period of time, cost her. Cost her. And she said, Amen. Amen. Do to me what you see fit, Lord. I am your servant. And the lessons I want to draw from this today, maybe even before I point out my four, I just want to point out Sterling. God uses ordinary people. He uses ordinary people. Forget if you don't have the theology degree. Forget if you don't come from some wonderful lineage. Even if you're an illegitimate child, God doesn't care. You are the perfect material for him to use if you're ordinary. But the big point I want to start off with here is this. Is that what we learn from Zachariah and Mary is what I believe God is saying to SBC. Is beware SBC. Familiarity breeds content. Zechariah was a good man. He was a God-fearing man. But something had happened to his faith. And when you see his response to the angel Gabriel, you notice a man that's become narrow and cynical. You notice a man that kind of says, I've been around the block. I've been here long. I've seen it all before. What can God really show me that's new? What can God really teach me? He had this attitude in his heart of everything being so familiar. You know that that saying, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? That is a faith statement that can creep in. Is that this man had let something in his life, in his faith, become narrow and cynical. And the second thing you see in this is that this familiarity, it breeds pessimism. He says, you know what? I mean, this is the angel Gabriel. He says, I'm old. My wife is advanced in years. Look at all these problems. 
Look at all this discouragement. Look at all these disappointments. That is the sum total of his faith. Is one of narrow cynicism and pessimism. And I feel like the Lord is saying to us this year, SBC, has familiarity bred contempt in your heart for something that God wants to do? When you hear God wants to do a new thing this year in SBC, and that God wants to stretch us into new dimensions, not only as a church, but personally, he's offering more of himself and more of his kingdom. What is your response this morning? Is your response to 2019, oh, this is all so familiar. I come to my familiar service at 8 o'clock. I have my familiar quiet time certain times of the day. I pray my familiar prayers. It's all so familiar. What could God do that's actually new? What could God do that actually could break into my life and start to transform not only my life but the people around me? What could God actually do that could move his kingdom forward? No, no, we don't think like that because it's so familiar. You with me? I feel like the Lord gently saying to you this morning, is your faith like Zechariah? Where the wonder and the awe and the expectancy of what God could do this year is pumping in your heart. Do you see this year with eyes like Mary where you're going, God, you can have dibs on my life. You are able to do anything. And I know you're not finished with me yet. And I'm hearing from the front, God is going to move this church forward. God is going to move my life forward. Are you like Mary that goes, let it be according to your servants? I'm ready. I want it. You know, one of the things I love about my daughter, Sarah, is when I go in the morning and I wake her up. Forgive me, I talk about my kids a lot. It's a fault of every parent. But when I get in there and I say, good morning, my girl. She goes, Daddy. Where are we going today? That's what she does. Daddy, what are we doing? She wants whatever daddy's got. And it better not be boring. Do you know something, SBC? You're allowed to age outwardly, but you're not allowed to age in your faith. Don't you love that scripture? Do you have a scripture? 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. I never saw it before until this preach. So we do not lose hearts. That's what God is saying here. Through delay, through disappointment, through even wrestling with self-doubt. No, no, we don't lose heart. Though the outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. As you get older, your faith must get younger and younger and younger. God, what are you going to do? How are you going to do it? What you got in store for me until the final breath I take? You're not finished with me yet. Amen. Let me tell you, the awe and wonder of our faith is to grow. Why? Because God proves himself. The older we get, the deeper the heritage. Not so. The deeper when we pray of saying, God has come through for me over and over again. How much more so now? So that's my first point. God is calling us to fresh awe and wonder and openness in our faith this year. How familiar have you gotten with the kingdom? 
shrug it off and do it in these five days of prayer and fasting. You'll see we'll lead through it. The second is this. I'm going to speed up a bit. Faith is where we fix our eyes. Zachariah's response, what is the first thing that when Gabriel comes to him and says, this is what I'm going to do, what's the first thing he says? How are these things going to happen? And he says, don't you know, I, I, there's that word, I, I am old. And he politely says, my wife is looking older. Can I say to you this morning, when God speaks, where do you put your eyes? Where you put your eyes is where you find your faith. And so the difference between Zechariah, Zechariah, God comes to him and says, Zechariah, this is what I've got for you. I'm going to answer your prayer. I'm going to do these amazing things. I'm giving you such fantastic news. And the very first thing he points out is this. How is it ever going to happen? And secondly, don't you know who you're talking to? I'm old. If I was Zechariah, this would be my objections. I'd be like, just a moment here, Lord. I am so old. How am I going to pay for his tertiary education in my retirement? Medically, I know. My wife is old. Do you know how the risk for Down syndrome is in a, at a person at her age? Even worse, I might be dead before his bar mitzvah. This is the questions that come when God speaks. The first thing that happens is faith is where you fix your eyes. And friends, this morning, some of us have been too long in the cage of I'm too old or too young or too inadequate or too unworthy or too busy or too inexperienced for God to use. May God break that this year. May God come to you and say, I have anointed you. I've given you the Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead and I've handpicked you for the body. Is there anything more you need to convince you that I want to use you this year? But you see, what we do is this, is we become so horizontal. Oh, look at the EFF outside the schools. Oh, look at this happening. Oh, look at that. Oh, Australia looks so great. Oh, I'm not pointing fingers. If anyone's moving there, please forgive me. I'm just pointing out. I'm pointing out this morning that at the end of the day, guys, Australia has the same problem because there's sin. The UK has the same problem because there's sin. Wherever you go, you are not born to find paradise in this life. You were born to fix your eyes on the Savior who says, I've called you, I have a purpose for you, and you've got to go do it. And how are you going to do it? Oh, look at me. I'm so old. I'm so stupid. I didn't get an A for my chick. I'm not very pretty. I don't have lots of money. Rubbish. You've got Christ. You've got Christ. This is what God is saying. The greatest adventure for the person is to say, I come to Christ resurrected in the power of the Spirit with all the fullness of heaven backing me in my purpose for God. Guys, you live once and then it's done. Make sure you live it like Mary. Make sure you live it and say, God, I'm your servant. You know what I love about Mary? She knows who the master is in the situation. There's Zechariah going, oh, I'm so alone. She goes, I'm the servant. What's she saying? I know who's asking this of me. I know the master provides for the servant, not the servant for the master. Have you ever thought the most ridiculous? How many of you watch Downton Abbey? Any of you here? Oh, gosh, bad example. Never mind. It's typically my example. I love anything British, old school history. My mom is English. And so you don't see those servants forking out cash to pay for the Lord so he can enjoy his life. That Lord pays for everybody and there's millions of them. He gives each one of them responsibility. 
He sets the tone of that household. They just got to do the job. He says, I provide all the rest. My friends, that is the way God is calling us to be. Is where are you fixing your eyes? You can't even be saved without fixing your eyes in the right place. Jesus. And the thing that was struck me was this amazing verse in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. If you don't have your eyes on Jesus, you cannot have any faith. It's unbelief. If you eyes on yourself, it's unbelief. Eyes on the situation, unbelief. None of that will point you to where you need to find your source. It is Christ. It is Christ. And my friend, if you want to know how to be a Christian here today, it's the moment you take your eyes off yourself and you see Jesus. Amen? It's the moment you see the Son of God who's sufficient for you, who took responsibility for your sin. Did you? Did you have to go sort it out and make payment and make sure everything's done? Friends, even Christ goes before you. When God gives the word, he takes responsibility for it. All he asks is, will you flow with me by faith? When I come to you, will you say, do unto me, Lord? My heart is yours. My hands are yours. God takes responsibility. The last thing, I, I won't do point four, just point three. Is faith is allowing God freedom to do things his way. Faith is allowing God freedom to do things his way. One of the things you discover as a Christian as you get older is that you've got zero control how God loves to answer prayer. Some of us are still praying. Some of us have experienced what it's like to be at the mercy of a wisdom we don't understand. And faith says, without all the details, I trust you because I know the one who's asking me to do it. And when Mary gets told what is going to happen, don't ever forget, it was entirely miraculous. The Holy Spirit was going to come over. She could not make anything possible. Nothing. Women do not spontaneously develop baby bumps in this church. But the grace on Mary is this. She says, I know the one who's asking. I'm going to let him have a free hand to do it. And I just sense some of us here are holding God on such a tight rein. It has to be done like this, in this way. And what it produces in us is an incredible spiritual frustration. Why are you not answering it like this? Why are you not doing it like that? Some of us have become like Zechariah. We've stopped even praying. Can I say to you this morning? Will you trust God afresh that his wisdom is at work not only for the benefit of you but for the glory of his name where he's put you? The greatest moments of faith in scripture is when God summons the man or woman and they go, how is this going to happen? And he says, don't worry about it, I'm with you. And they go. Can I say to you this year, SBC, 
God has got good things in store for us. But what he is asking of us is will we kill familiarity over these next five days as we pray together, as we fast on Wednesday, as we come on a Saturday, will we come with a merry-like, childlike faith that says God can do what he wants to do and we give him permission to do it his way? Because my fear is this, SBC, is it's not the fact, our faith does not determine whether God's will gets done. Do you notice in the story, John the Baptist gets born, Jesus gets born. The individual's faith does not affect God's will, and it will not affect the will for this church. What it does do is it affects our ability to participate in what God wants to do. And so if you want to be in and say, God, my life this year is a merry like life, childlike faith. What you are saying is, I'm ready to flow with where you want to go. But the Zachariah, the Zachariah was struck dumb. Why? Because his heart, his faith, he allowed to get far too familiar. He'd taken his eyes off the God he was asking. And so he could not participate in what God wanted to do. But Mary, Mary is just my hero. Mary, she starts to sing. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Mary experiences the fullness of the spirit and what God has because she's open. Which of you, which of these two are you this year? Our prayer for you as leaders is that God would awaken a fresh excitement for what he has for you. He's got good things in store. Let's honor him with a childlike faith. Amen. Enjoy these next five days. I want to point out that as we close this morning, uh, it is the beautiful moment of communion. This is the moment where God says, where are you going to fix your eyes? Where are you going to fix your eyes? where I need one of those Britney Spears mics. There we go. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Whose eyes are his disciples on? Whose eyes? Jesus. He says, yeah, and he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. And I tell you, I will not drink it again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. You know why communion's here? It's so that the church does not lose sight of the one who's going to bring them home. Jesus. And so we eat and drink this morning, fixing our eyes on the one who's going to help us finish the race. So I've asked the team to minister to this, minister this and serve this to us this morning. My, and you can come up and do that so long. This is your moment. This is your moment. Hold into the cup and the bread. I want you to bring your faith to God as you're reminded of your saving faith. And this is for those who've come to faith in Jesus. Keep your eyes on me whilst they're handing it out. I want to say one more thing. If you have not yet come to faith in Christ, this act is what you must do in your heart. This is your only hope for the forgiveness of sin.
For the rest of us here, let's examine ourselves. Where are our eyes this year as we take and drink and eat together as a church? Hold on to the elements. We'll drink and eat together. I'm going to ask us to stand as a church. Father, as we stand as your church, Jesus, with you at the head, and with a new year ahead of us, Lord, would you give us new faith? Come, Holy Spirit, come. We pray for those that don't know you, Jesus, as their Lord and Savior. Give them faith this morning in the Son of God. Lift their eyes to the one who bled for them, was broken for them, and rose again for them, that they too might have newness of life. Come rescue, Lord. Come and open up the kingdom here this morning. But Lord, also for the backslider, we pray, Lord, would you give them faith to come home. Lord, faith, God, for the lukewarm here, would you turn up the temperature of faith in this place. That God, faith, would honor the kingdom of heaven that's all-powerful, the King of kings and Lord of lords who can do anything. We pray, Lord, would you stir our faith to honor the King who can call us to anything. Father, we pray this morning for new eyes. Lord, those eyes that have grown dim with familiarity, those ears that have grown closed because the message has sounded so the same. God, this morning, would you stir SBC to new hearts of faith for you. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray.
This is a God thing. And we are asking, Lord, you would make us a bunch of Marys here. Make us a bunch of Marys. Let us become like her who said, we are the Lord's servants. Let it be done to us according to your word. Let there be fresh joy in this place, fresh expectancy, fresh life, fresh vision. Lord, fresh faith to flow with what you're wanting us to do. We bless you, Lord. We thank you that we can fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. 